0: chapter 27, verse 46, through Genesis chapter 28, 22. And if you would, please turn to Hebrews chapter 11, as we begin the message. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he was approved as being righteous, God approving his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For prior to being taken up, he was approved as being pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who draws near to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned about things not yet seen in reverence prepared an ark. For the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, became, and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place where he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he sojourned in the land of, the pro, of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise." For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she regarded him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there were born even of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many as the stars of heaven in number, and the innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore." All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been remembering that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they aspire to a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call to be called their God, for he prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he, who had received the promises, was offering up his only son, to whom it was said, and Isaac, your seed shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he also received him back. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. This is God's word as our means of introduction into this passage, and I would propose to you that this faith has nothing to do with your feelings about it. We even look at that passage right there and we see, did what were Noah's feelings when he was sealed up inside the ark? No, it wasn't about feelings. It was about trusting what the Lord was doing. It was about following the sovereign God. It was about knowing that God was with him. God was with him. The title of this message then today is Wherever You Go. And we leave that blank, which we'll fill in along the way. So there are a number of pieces to this particular message today, broken into four parts. We would say that the first verse in 2746, we'll title it Marriage to the Land. Verses 1 through 5 of chapter 8, we'll call it Blessing a Deceptive Son. Verses 6 through 9 of 27, we will call it Esau Tries to Amend. And then finally, verses 10 through 22, A Ladder of Promise. So starting in verse 46 of 27, it says this, then Rebekah said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like these from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? We recall from last week that Esau had taken wives from Canaan. and not a whole lot more was said about that because then we got into the then we got into the deceptive the deceptiveness of Rebekah and Isaac for getting the blessing that was supposed to go to Esau. But it comes back around now these these wives from the land. These wives that Esau had taken from Canaan. It doesn't take much to recall that those Canaanite women were uh, not part of the promise. They were not part of, of what this Abrahamic line was to be part of. Yet here we have Esau taking wives from that land. He is binding himself to that land. Hear me now. In the marriage relationship, as married together, as two two people come together in marriage, they are closer than their blood relatives are to them. You are closer to the person you are married to than you are to blood relatives that you have. It's scriptural in what it says. The two shall become one. Okay? So when we see Esau here taking wives of Canaan the land that will be given at some point in the future to the seed of Abraham, what we see is he is binding himself to that land. He is, I don't want to press too hard on it, but he's becoming more one part of the land. He is, instead of sojourning in the land, he is making that part of his home. We would even think about like the marriage ceremony that we had the other week here, that when to when a couple comes together, right, their family becomes your family and vice versa. And so this is what he's done, and now there's a problem. As Rebecca says, I am tired of living because of these daughters of Heth, these Canaanite women that Esau is married to. They are wearing me out. They are not of the same kind and quality That should be thought of with the Abrahamic line. For some reason, they are causing division. It doesn't say why, it just says it's a problem. And the problem comes back that they are Canaanites. And then her next next viewpoint is, she says, if Jacob, her beloved son, is to take a daughter from among these same tribes, that my life is essentially over. I can't be associated with this. We can't have him as part of this. This is impossible to do. There must be something else must be done to prevent this from happening. Because if Jacob marries from these Canaanites, it's going to be even worse. And even if she's thinking right here, just in the front of her nose, if she's only thinking that far. It's going to be far worse for me if that happens. So that kind of, that that, that gives us an image into what's happening with Esau. We remember, we recall that he married two there from before when he was about 40. So now it goes into a different, now we're going to talk about, in the second part, the deceptive son, which which is Jacob. Okay, so we're going to forget about Esau just for a moment. And we're gonna talk about Jacob. Remember what she said. She can't, he cannot have, cannot have a wife from among these Canaanites. And we also want to remember that, remember, Esau also has murderous rage towards his brother Jacob because of the stolen blessing. Just a reminder in verse 43 that she said, as she said, so. See now, my son, which she is speaking to, Jacob, listen to my voice, arise, flee to Haran and to my brother Laban. Stay with him a few days until your brother's wrath subsides. That'll be 20 years. Isaac, excuse me, Jacob will never see his mother again. Chapter 28, verse 1. So Isaac, okay, so Jacob cannot have a wife from among these Canaanites. So Isaac, the father, called Jacob and blessed him and commanded him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. You cannot do this thing. Uh, what he is proposing is to take a wife from, as he'll say in verse 2, arise and go to her Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother." Go back to Mesopotamia. Go back to Haran. This is where you must get away, where Rebekah had come from. There's a term for this, it's called endogamy, which means you must marry within a select group. Don't marry outside this group, much like Abraham sent his servant because he didn't want his seed to be bound to that land in Canaan, has sent his servant back to the same place and found Rebekah. This journey of approximately 500 miles. Now, this blessing that, 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 Jacob, that, that Jacob receives from Isaac, we need to talk about that. In verse 3, it says, May God Almighty... Bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become an assembly of peoples. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your seed with you, that you may possess the land of your sojournings, which God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, son of Bethuel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. So this blessing. Now this is pretty interesting, right? Or hopefully I'll show you why it's interesting. We remember he dressed up in goatskins last week. He dressed up in goatskins that they that to to fake Jacob fake like he was Esau to fool his brother in receiving this blessing. Now, and I know people were thinking last week, too, well, because it was done in in a deceptive nature, why doesn't Isaac just take it back? Because you lied to me, right? I mean, in contracts and clauses that we have, you will see many of those times, if you've misrepresented something, then it makes this contract null and void. It doesn't, it's, it, it, you can't hold on. There's constant court cases about these things too. Yet in this instance, that's exactly what we have. We have this, this deceptive blessing. He wasn't who he said he was. Isaac gives the blessing to Jacob and then realizes afterwards that it's been given wrongly and then he gives that anti-blessing to the son who was supposed to get the blessing. And you say to yourself, as I do too, why doesn't he just say, nope, that's not right because you're the wrong person. Well, number one, it's very cultural in the ancient Near East. uh, The word of a patriarch was considered binding, the head of a family, binding and unchangeable. That once the words were spoken, that they landed solidly, and they were firmly affixed, and they could not be changed regardless, without regard to the circumstances in which they were spoken. So when he says those things, when he gives this blessing to the lying son, it is binding. Which is why last week when he says, when Esau says, this is no blessing less for me, in reality there's none. There's just, the only blessing he can get is the opposite of what what Jacob received. So that's number one. This is this is a, uh, it is a, when he gave that blessing, it is binding. Right? Proverbs 19, 21. Since, dece- and we'll see, and deception does not affect, deception of men does not affect God's eternal plan, nor his plan of redemption. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 Many are the thought. Many thoughts are in a man's heart. We can preach multiple messages on that, and we can only we only have to know that just sitting alone in silence for just even a mere minute or two, you'll have constant just a barrage of thoughts going through your head. But many of the thoughts in a man's heart. But it is the counsel. Uh, but it is the counsel of Yahweh, counsel of the Lord, that will stand. The counsel of the Lord that will stand. So, if we consider these things, right? So, we heard this deceptiveness that went on, but the words of this patriarch of the family, and of course, we read about in Hebrews a patriarch of the faith, we read about that, that those words are binding, regardless of the circumstances in which they were given. There is no take backs. There is no cross fingers behind your back and say, oh, I didn't mean it. He said the words and they were binding in that situation. But our our hope then is that passage we just read out of Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, that the that regardless of man's deceptive nature, regardless of the sinful nature of man, that does not affect the plans of God. There is nothing you can do to uh, to to take away God's plans or to change God's plans, and even in this instance, you won't see a change in God's plans. And so that's why we get to, uh, that's why we 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 come into this blessing piece. So now, what does what does Isaac do? He officially blesses the son. He looks right at his son Jacob, and he said, "May God bless you." And make you fruitful and multiply, that you may become in assemblies of people. May he also give you the blessings of Abraham to you and your seed with you, that you may possess the land of your sojournings, which God gave to Abraham. Now, I want us to notice that the blessing that he is giving, he is not transferring the covenantal blessing that the Lord has given. Okay, this is a blessing of the father to the son. And when he says, may the Lord also give you the blessing that was given to Abraham, right? So we have the blessing of the father. He's not saying, okay, the blessing that the Lord gave to me, I'm giving to you. That is not what he is saying. What he's saying, I'm blessing you. I'm blessing you that you would be fruitful, that you would multiply, that these things would be great for you. And I also am saying to you, may Abraham, the Abrahamic blessing, the blessing that was given to your grandfather, May you also get that same blessing. Go in peace. You are my son. Go in peace, but you must run from your brother Esau, because Esau will kill you. Okay, so we have the, we have the giving of the father's blessing. The father says, may the Lord give you that same blessing. Now, of course, this is super important to, to Jacob, right? I mean, he's literally stolen a blessing because he's dressed up in goatskins. Nothing about this feels right. Okay? And he's got the anger of a brother that wants to murder him because of it. But now to receive this blessing from his father is, is assuring him. We must also remember, uh, in certainly with Jacob, I don't think it's too much to press on the text, that If you have done something like this, basically stolen a blessing, it is not beyond the realm of possibility to think that you won't get any blessing because of what you've done, because of your deception, because of your lying. Most of all, not to receive the blessing that had come to his grandfather, Abraham. But here it is. Isaac is saying, I'm giving you that blessing that you took deceptively. My word stands. And may the Lord God himself do the same thing to you that he promised Abraham. So now we shift one more time. So now we're back to, in verses 6, uh, we're going to pick up there at 6 through 9. Now we're going back to Esau. Esau heard about this. It says there, and Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Badan Aram, to take for himself a wife from there. And that when he blessed him, he commanded him, saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Esau thinking, well, hold on, I I have wives from the daughters of Canaan. And my father just told my brother not to take a wife from these tribes. And seven, in and, and that Jacob had listened to his father and his mother and had gone to padanaram Aram. Eight, so Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan were displeasing in the sight of his father Isaac. Realization that he has perhaps proceeded wrongly. Now, remember, I said this is where he's trying to amend the situation, trying to make the situation more right. And what does he do? And Esau went to Ishmael, his uncle, and took Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Neboeth, to be his wife. Besides, on top of, in addition to the wives, the two wives that he already has. So he is trying to marry his way back into the promise by taking a daughter from the Abrahamic line. The problem is as if we recall is Genesis chapter 17 tells us that the problem with the line of Ishmael it's just not quite there and it's not part of the promise. Genesis chapter 17 verse 18 through 21. And Abraham said to God, "Oh that Ishmael may might live before you." But God said, "No, but Sarah your wife will bear you a son, and you shall call and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his seed after him." As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I will bless him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly, and he shall become the father of twelve princes. And I will make him a great nation. But my covenant, verse twenty-one. But my covenant, I will establish for Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season and this season next year. So he tries to marry himself to, 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 to find even part of the blessing, and what he does is he's proceeding wrongly. He's marrying wrongly. He is not part of that covenant. And just as an aside, just so I've heard this before, and some of us have talked about this the other week, there will be, there will be Muslims will claim, the Muslim, the faith of Islam will claim it comes from the line of Ishmael, and they will claim that we worship the same God, and that is not true. The psalm speaks specifically to it that the line of Ishmael makes a covenant against God do not worship the same God. They worship a false god, a false idol. And I'll just leave that there. So here we have, and this is what Esau does. He does this thing. He tries to fix the situation. He doesn't fix it at all. So he's married poorly first. He's married poorly second. The anti-blessing that he received before still stands. There's no change in that. Jacob has taken a trip is going on a trip to Padan Aram up in Mesopotamia, a trip of 500 miles away from the brother who said he would kill him after the mother is dead, after Isaac is dead. Verse 10. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he reached a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and laid down in that place. This, this putting of the stone, it could also mean not only using it as a pillow. Uh, if you've ever tried it, it does work. And it could also mean to placing the stone in such a place that it protects the top of his head. I think it's First Samuel mentions that as a form of protection that is given there. But he takes this stone and the stone will figure in again but he places it under his head. He lays down there uh, in the wilderness or near, you know, not, you know, he's out there by himself. He takes the stone. We don't know 100% how far he is in the journey right at the moment. Although we are going to come close to Bethel later on or Luz, what it's first named. He lays down. He goes to sleep. He's received the blessing from his father And then the father said, may you also receive the blessing that I gave to, may you also receive the blessing that had been given to Abraham that had been passed on to me. This is what he's going with and looking for a wife. Perhaps we'll just, for the moment, for a second here, we remember that the covenant that the Lord made with Abraham was a blood covenant. It's a binding covenant. It's binding to all of the family members that come after it until somebody breaks that covenant. That to add infinitum for forever until somebody violates that covenant. We can imagine the things that are going on with Isaac because of what he's done, even though he's received the father's blessing. He wonders if he has violated that covenant that was made so long ago with his grandfather. We could understand that he could feel very alone in the wilderness. This is the picture that we get, even though there are probably some servants with him. But we get this picture of aloneness that he has just taken a rock for a pillow and he's laying to sleep. It is a picture of a person that is by themselves. This is what we see here, or that's the way he is portraying himself at this, at the, at this point. Now this section is 10 through 22, that ladder of promise. Verse 15 is going to be very important when we get there. Verse 12. Then he had a dream, and behold, a ladder stood on the earth, with its top touching heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Unlike the Tower of Babel, which this might remind us of, unlike the Tower of Babel, where men tried to build the ziggurat to reach to heaven so that they could pull God down, what we actually see here is God's active work in on the earth. We see that God is sending angels up and down; that the, that these uh, that that God is active in His creation. He is not as we said many times before he is not the absent watchmaker he does not wind up the watch and then watch it run for eternity what we see here is not only is he asleep into the dream but he is picturing he sees this this ladder that's going from earth to heaven from earth to heaven with angels ascending and descending upon it in verse 13 it says and behold Uh, It is fairly, this behold is an intensive word. Uh, Pay attention to what these things that are being said right now. He says, Yahweh, the Lord stood above it. That above this ladder that stretched into the heavens, he could see the Lord there. In full command and control of everything. This person... Jacob, who was alone in the wilderness, who had a stone for a pillow, now has this vision who might have felt that the, that the covenant that was given to the grandfather was not going to play for him because he was so deceptive with his father, until the moment that the Lord speaks, we can almost anticipate that there was probably darkness and fear that was there. I think that is the general response when you see people that see the Lord. We see it with Daniel. We see the dark foreboding that came over his grandfather when he went to sleep, and here it is. He sees the angels ascending and descending, not like the Tower of Babel, which I'm sure he's heard about, where they tried to reach heaven, but instead we see heaven reaching down to the earth, We see heaven reaching down to the earth, not separated, but reaching down in, God is reaching down into his creation. 11, and behold, Yahweh stood above it and said, I am Yahweh, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your seed. Right now, we're having the first parts of the covenant that was given to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12, then given even more so in greater detail in Genesis chapter 17. The same words that I'm sure were passed down to him that had been passed down to his father Isaac. When Isaac had said, may the Lord be with you, may the Lord grant you those things, and here the Lord is speaking directly to him. I will give this land to you. This will be yours. He could even say that the older will serve the younger. Remember the deceptive nature of man does not, does not change the plans of God. The sinful nature of man does not change the plans of God. Jacob's literally seeing The ladder from heaven to earth, right, God's plans in action, a brief view of what is actually going on. And it says in verse 14, as the Lord continues to speak, and it says, and your seed will also be like the dust of the earth. You will be spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you, your seed, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the giving that comes. Uh, The same covenant that had been established with Abraham, not that this needs to be given again, the covenant was already established with his grandfather, but the Lord is assuring Jacob that he is within the promise that had been given that even though he and his mother were deceptive, that did not change God's plans. He is literally asleep on a stone and he's seeing the Lord. And he's seeing the Lord's activity. The Lord is saying, I am with you. In verse 15, behold, I am with you. He had to feel somewhat alone up until that point in time because of the events that happened prior to that. But here it is, the Lord is speaking, behold, again, intensive in nature, look at this, listen to what these words are, pay attention, don't miss this, I am with you. It would be essentially just grabbing somebody by the shoulders and turning them around and pointing them to something. You need to see this, don't dismiss this. You need to hear this, you need to know this. I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not forsake you until I have done what I have promised you. That all my promises will stand. That your seed will go out to the four corners of the earth, like the dust that is on the earth. We've gone smaller than sand now think about that for a second i just want you to know that that this plan is so big that it'll be like the dust of the earth so your seed shall be that this promise continues beyond your death and and goes beyond your children's death and your children's children's death that this promise stands i will be with you and will not forsake you verse 16 Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Because up until that point, he didn't realize that wherever he went, the Lord was already with him. He didn't realize that even when he was being deceptive to his father, the Lord was still there not approving the deceptive nature, but the Lord was still there guarding the promises that were coming. Because you see, God's promises are not dependent on man's actions. God's promises are dependent upon the truthfulness of God's word. It is impossible for him to lie. So this this is what you have, and now he has the realization And sometimes I would promote that some of us have had that same realization. We are reading the scripture. Holy mackerel, it's true. He woke from the sleep, and surely Yahweh is in this place, and I did not know it. Because of the things going on in my mind, I could not see what was happening. And then when the Lord shows him a ladder from heaven to earth, angels ascending and descending, and the Lord standing at the very top, at the pinnacle orchestrating, the architect of everything, engineering all that is there. Surely, he is in this place, and I did not know it, in 17, and he was afraid. Right reaction to a sovereign God. Right reaction to a sovereign God. And he was afraid and said, how fearsome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. This is the gate of heaven. Verse 18, so Jacob arose early in the morning, and he took the stone that had been put under his head and set it up on a pillar and poured oil over on top of it. We recall the they are always setting memorials around so that they remember. Remember. The, the the scripture is full of in the old especially in the old testament is full of the Hebrew term zakar to remember. To remember. Remember, remember, remember. When you pass by this place with the pillar with the rock on top of it, remember this is where you saw the ladder from heaven. Do not forget that. The Lord is with you always. He was with you in this place. He was with you always when it came to the promise. And so he sets this up. He pours the oil over it, this anointing that goes on to this place. And then he says in verse 19, and he called the name of the place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Bethel, Bethel means house of God. House of God. It's a little hermeneutical note: studying the Bible that sometimes names in the Old Testament are very important. Right? The scripture will generally tell you that. Sometimes they're just names. This is a case where it's important. The thing that has happened, and he said why it's important, because surely, surely, This is the house of God, so he named it that, so all would know. So he would remember what that was, and so that all passed by would know what had happened here to Jacob. Then Jacob, in verse 20, made a vow, saying, If God God will be with me and will keep me on this journey on which I am going and will give me food to eat and garments to wear, And I return to my father's house in peace, then Yahweh will be my God. Now this stone which I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So this, now we we don't want to incorrectly look at this and say that this is, if I do something, I get something, or if God does something, then I'll do something. What he's speaking of, he's speaking just like you and I would speak. You know, we are, we are frail in our thoughts. We have, like that Proverbs passage, many thoughts go through our heads all, all the time. Constantly pulling us one direction or the next. Our emotions pull us one way or the next. Right? One, one moment I feel very confident in my faith, and the next moment I feel very weak in my faith. But what we see here is a person speaking as a person. When he makes this vow, he is is simultaneously trusting and the Lord will always be with him and also recognizing how frail he is as a person. But this sets the stage that as he goes forward, you will see a person that trusts more and more in the Lord. This one whose father trusted enough that he would put him up for sacrifice and trusted that the Lord would provide. Surely, the Lord is with me. Surely the Lord is with Him wherever He goes. And as we come into the to, to the concluding thoughts on this, first and foremost, what does Israel hear? This is, they are the ones that are that are reading the story. This is Moses recording it for the nation of Israel after they have been taken out of slavery. They see and hear, number one, that the Lord has comforted Jacob. And it doesn't take them much to get to the next step. Go to Genesis chapter 32, verse 28. Genesis 32, 28. 400 or oh, more than that. 500 years in the future. 400 years in the future, excuse me. 425, I think it is, is that we'll see when they're in Exodus. If you go to Genesis chapter 32, verse 28, Israel's hearing this story. Then he said, the Lord said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. That's when Jacob wrestles with the Lord. For We have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So what are they hearing? Hold on a second. This is, God was with Jacob. God was with Israel there. God is with us now. Because even they tend to forget even seeing a pillar of smoke and a column of fire. God is with us. God will be with them even in the exile. Turn to Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. The Lord speaking, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. And I will make you mighty, surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then turn to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. God speaking again. I'm going to start in verse 1. But now thus says Yahweh, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Wherever you go, He is saying, I will be with you. So then what does it mean to me? What does it mean to you as believers in Christ? It's our comfort too. It's our comfort too when we see that wherever we go, the Lord is actually with us. We could say that Christ is somewhat like that ladder that reaches from heaven to earth, that has heaven come down on earth to save all those that he intended to save, not one will be lost. Turn to John chapter 1, verse 49. John 1, 49. Nathaniel answered him, answered Jesus, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, "Truly truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God descend, ascending and descending on the Son of Man on me. It is our comfort to be found in Christ and to know that he is always with us, because we have him with us always as believers. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. First Corinthians 3:16. Do you not know that you are a sanctuary of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? The Holy Spirit dwelling within you as Christ followers. Wherever you go, he is with you. There is not a place as a Christ follower, you are without him. Every single place you go, he is with you. That should give us great comfort and also great pause. Sometimes we forget in the things that we do that the Lord is with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. He's always with us. There is not a place where we go where he is not with us. Found in Christ, if you lay your head in the wilderness on a pillow of rocks, he is with you. You may not see that ladder reaching from heaven to earth, but we know that it is true and we know that it does. Because the word says it does. We know that God stands above that ladder. We know that God is the one who has reached down to earth through his son to save all that he would save. We know that per Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, that is not burdensome either. That when he says, when Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he is the one that has done the work that has come to earth to save. Come to me, he didn't come to, he, Jesus did not come to, work, to earth to burden us, but he came to earth to save us, to take those false things away from us, to focus our worship on the true God, to know the God that stands in heaven. I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you, learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then verse, chapter 28 of Matthew, chapter 28 of Matthew, verse 20, part B, and behold, pay attention, look at this, turn your face towards it, make sure you hear what is being said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It doesn't say I'm with you sometimes or part of the time or when you feel like I'm with you. It says I'm with you always. When Noah closed the door on the ark, he trusted that the Lord was with him. Excuse me. When the Lord closed the door on the ark, Noah trusted that the Lord was with him. When Jacob laid his head on that rock pillow, he did not know whether or not the Lord was with him, regardless of the words that were given to him by his father. He heard from the Lord that he is with him. We hear from the Lord found in Christ, we hear directly from the Lord that he is with us. Trust in his word, trust in your Savior. Know it to be sure and true that he will be with us, not only in this life, but in the next, never without him, never away from him, if we are found in him, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, just, we come to these words of the patriarchs. We understand that because of your work, that heaven will be full with countless multitudes, Perhaps it will be our joy at some point in time to actually speak with men such as Jacob and just to glorify you and all that you did to bringing them into the heavenly kingdom. We ask that you're with us throughout this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.